Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 1 through 14, called Our Passover Lamb. Now Israel's going to go from drudgery to celebration. The Lord's going to set them free. July 4th is our Independence Day, or you could say as a nation, our Dependence Day, because we need to be, as a church, dependent on the Lord. That's how we truly experience freedom. But it is cool to me how the Lord has set this up so we could land right here on this day. As Israel talks about its freedom, so here we are. Now, Israel was to start that calendar. If you can throw that calendar back up there again for a moment. Uh, in the month of Abib. If you notice the calendar for a second, these got switched to Babylonian names. And it is interesting that Ezra led a group of people back to the Holy Land after the Babylonian captivity in the first month of the year. Much later, the month of Abib, which came to be known as the month of Nisan. And so this has marked the calendar for Israel. And of course, it is for us to mark the calendar of our new birth in Jesus Christ. The chains of long, bitter bondage broken. Israel would forever, and still today, look back to this time. Seder celebrations still happen all over the planet in Jewish households and even those who acknowledge the Passover. And it is to celebrate God's deliverance. Now, I want to show you the calendar really quick. The next book to your right is Leviticus. I don't know when the last time you turned to Leviticus is, but... Um, Turn there with me, Leviticus 23. If you're interested for more studying on the feast, the seven feasts of Israel are laid out all in Leviticus 23. I'm just going to read a few verses so you can get kind of the flavor of the feasts. So here it is. Leviticus 23, 1 says these words. The Lord spoke again to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel, Leviticus 23, 2. Say to them, the Lord's appointed times, uh, feasts, if you have an NIV, which you shall proclaim means to call them out as holy convocations. My appointed times or feasts are these. Now, the phrase appointed times is a single Hebrew word called moed. It would be spelled just like you just mowed your lawn, M-O-W-E-D. It speaks of an appointment or a fixed time or season or a festival. It's something like this. If you got a wedding invitation and the parents of the uh, you know, eventual bride and groom invite you to a time and a place for a wedding, they're going to be there. You've been invited to the time and place. They're going to be there. The expectation is that you will be there by receiving this invitation. That's the idea of the appointed time, a fixed appointment. And then notice... Uh, these are holy convocations. That's uh, middle of verse 2. And that's the Hebrew word mikra, spelled M-I-Q-R-A. And it literally means a sacred assembly, a calling people together, and can mean a dress rehearsal. So for 1,500 years, the Jews killed the Passover lamb on something called Nisan 14. Just keep reading and you can see the dates here. There's a mention about the Sabbath, verse 4, Leviticus 23 says, These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In the first month, now there's the spring feast. 
On the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. Then on the 15th day of the month starts a, what is essentially a leak, oh, not a leak, a week long feast. There's the feast of matzah or unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Now the Jews would sweep out all the leaven in preparation for the Passover holiday. And as time unfolded, Passover, which is a single day or evening celebration, kind of amalgamated with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so it was all known kind of as one uh, celebration, one holiday, because they were linked together. And this would happen for about a week. And so the Jews were told that there were three holidays that they must meet with the Lord in Jerusalem at his appointed place. And they were Passover in the spring, Pentecost in the summer, and tabernacles in the fall. And all able-bodied males were to sojourn from different lands to meet the Lord in Jerusalem for these mandatory feasts. That's why when you're reading your Bible and you're reading about Passover or Pentecost and you wonder, why are all these people here in Jerusalem at this given time? Because people who were Jewish or converts to Judaism would travel from all over the place to honor the Lord at these mandatory feasts. That's why 3,000 people hear the gospel from all these different lands in Acts chapter 2. Now, I want to show you something really quick in Luke. Luke uh, chapter 2, in the life of Jesus. So Jesus was Jewish, of course. He was from the tribe of Judah. And Jesus' family was Jewish. And of course, they, he grew up in a place called Nazareth, which is northern Israel. Turn over to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Jesus' family would honor these feast days. I'm going to just show you one example of how this unfolds in Scripture. Luke chapter 2. Let's pick it up at uh, 41. Now, Jesus' parents, Luke 2.41, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, Luke 2.42. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. So they went every year, and now he's 12. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the whole feast of Passover and unleavened bread, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, Jesus was asking questions, but he was also giving answers. Now, get this. The literal Passover lamb was in Jerusalem for the Passover, interacting with the religious leadership of the day. They were talking to the Passover lamb during Passover. Pretty cool. And I think Jesus knew that he was going to fulfill that imagery. So can you imagine being Jesus, seeing the sights and sounds of the holiday, the lambs that were slaughtered at twilight and all of that? He would have seen that every year of his life until he died at the age of 33. He would have known that he was the fulfillment of that. And I'm sure that his answers amazed people, his insight into the scriptures. Could they have known that they were speaking to the very fulfillment 
to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so that's just one snapshot of how this unfolds in the New Testament. Let's go back to the book of Exodus. So Moses is being instructed on the Passover, Exodus 12, verse 3. And here's what happens. God says, speak to all the congregation, Exodus 12, 3, probably the representative fathers or leaders of the different tribes of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month. Now we get an additional insight that something happens four days before the night of Passover. During the week approaching, on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now, we're, we're told that before the actual feast is going to commence, there is something called Lamb Selection Day. Let me show you a quick photo of some lamb. So what people would do is they would choose out a lamb for their representative household. And that lamb was to be a one-year-old male without spot or blemish. And you also had an alternative choice to choose a kid goat uh, to take into your household. You selected that lamb on the 10th of the month leading up to Passover. Now get this. On the 10th of the month during Jesus's final week of his earthly ministry, he rode into Jerusalem coming down on the Mount of Olives. Do you know what day he rode in on? Lamb Selection Day. And he presented himself to the nation as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And people began to sing the, the word Hosanna to him from Psalm 118, which literally means save now or save us now. And they were singing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there was people celebrating and waving palm branches. And there was controversy among the religious leadership. Don't, don't take those accolades. Don't, that's for the Messiah. Don't do that. And Jesus said, if they're quiet, the rocks are going to cry out, baby. And so the people were singing. But when Jesus saw the nation, when he looked on Jerusalem, he began to weep over the nation because they had misunderstood, largely misunderstood his coming. When Jesus went down into Jerusalem during Passover week, here's what happened. They asked him a series of questions. And when you selected a lamb into your household, what had to be done is that you had to present the lamb to the priest and they checked it for blemishes. The lamb had to be without spot and without blemish. And if the God approved, then that lamb was acceptable. During that whole week, go back and read Luke 20 and other places, Jesus is asked a series of questions from the religious leaders, from everything to taxes, from taxes to the resurrection. This lady had seven husbands. Who's her husband in the resurrection? And all these different questions. And each and every time he was asked a question, he put the religious leadership in their place. He was the lamb selected and the lamb inspected and found to be without spot and without blemish. So as he wrote in, I think the question probably lingering in Jesus' heart is, am I their selected lamb? Will they accept me as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Or are they only looking for a political deliverer? Do they really understand my mission to come and do away with the twin enemies of sin and death and the taskmasters and bondage that we bring into our own lives? And so into Jerusalem he rode on Lamb Selection Day. Did they get it? Did they understand his mission? They were, they were saying, save us now, but did they get who he was? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We've come to it. 
the week of Christmas. We know how it is. You're getting that last-minute gift shopping done. Can we add one more to your list? Would you consider giving a year-end gift to Walk in Truth? We rely on the generosity of our listeners to help fund this ministry so we can equip as many people as possible with God's truth and show them how to apply that truth to their life. We hope Pastor Michael's teachings have been doing that for you. Would you please consider giving a gift of $20? That's usually the max price of a white elephant gift. With the help of your donation, we will continue to bring the gospel to people listening on this radio station and straight to their phone through podcast. Please give your Christmas donation of $20 now. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Thank you so much for your partnership and have a blessed and Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Into Jerusalem he rode on Lamb Selection Day. Did they get it? Did they understand his mission? They were, they were saying, save us now, but did they get who he was? Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, Exodus 12, 4, let's say there's a widow, maybe an older married couple, their kids have since moved out. Then he and his neighbor nearest to his house, later Jewish writings say one lamb per 10 people, are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. We should remember that this holiday is all around a meal. It's all around a Passover meal. Let me just pause there to tell you that in our country, we have a national holiday called Thanksgiving. And when Thanksgiving is happening in the States, we have a pretty good idea that most people probably have made a turkey and there's some typical stuff that's at a Thanksgiving meal. And the intention of the original holiday, which was proclaimed by Abraham Lincoln way back in the 1860s, was that the nation would both repent and express gratitude to God. And I get concerned anymore in looking at our nation that it has really gone down to now football and how early the stores open and um, basically, you know, regrets about how much I ate on a given holiday. Today is the 4th of July. There's typical things that happen at the 4th of July celebration. You, you may be having a barbecue. Maybe you'll jump in the pool. Maybe you'll gather with some friends or neighbors and family and etc. But but I, I have to ask the question, will anybody at your gathering know a couple of names of people who signed the declaration? Will they know what we are actually celebrating? Will they understand how many lives were lost to continue to secure our freedom even to this day? See, these holidays were the same for Israel. They were supposed to remind a nation about what's truly important, how we ended up where we are. And let's face it, brethren, we are quick to forget. It is so easy to skip over, you know, the reasons for holidays and just, you know, do what we want to do. But your lamb, five, shall be an unblemished male, a year old. So just, you know, kind of in the beginning of adult life, you may take it from the sheep or from the goat. So it can be a lamb or a kid goat. Now, if you had a small household, you were to get together with a neighbor, your nearest neighbor, verse four. And it reminds me of the high command in scripture. We are called to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Here's an application. It's not an expositional point in the sermon, but this is what struck me. One of my calls 
as an ambassador of Christ is to share the lamb with others, to share the lamb with my neighbor. And what I mean by that is to share the gospel, to share the truth about Jesus Christ. And remember, Jesus interacted with a lawyer back in the day, an expert in the Bible, and uh, they went back and forth about the greatest command and so forth. And then in a kind of a smart aleck way, the lawyer said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan, essentially saying, anyone who has a need is your neighbor. And the greatest need of our neighbors is the gospel of Jesus Christ to share the lamb. Amen. And there's another application too. We are the church of Jesus Christ. So we may go back to our celebrations today and maybe we know that there's a widow or there's someone who's a single person and they don't have any family here. They don't have anywhere to go. Would to God that we open our our hearts and homes to others, amen? That we realize, amen, that's a good time for an amen. Amen. That we realize that we're a community of blood-bought saints. That if we don't live our faith, if we just read about this stuff and we don't live it, what good is it? And so you're to share. Your lamb must be unblemished. He must be without spot, without blemish. Hebrews 4.15 says of the Messiah, Jesus, he is one as tempted in all things yet without sin. Hebrews 9.14 says, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Hebrews 9.14, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The lamb was inspected, found without fault. And Peter says, knowing that you were redeemed, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. You were redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless. That is the blood of Christ. And so Passover is around a meal. Makes me think of the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. How many of you saw My Big Fat Greek Wedding? So remember, there's this Greek family. I can relate because they're much like Italians. And uh, she brings the boyfriend, the prospective uh, fiance, to the house. And uh, he's a vegetarian. And so she announces he's a vegetarian. And, she, and the response of like an aunt or the grandma is, what do you mean? He don't eat meat? He don't? What do you mean he don't eat meat? And it gets pretty loud and awkward in there. And then she says, okay, I'll make lamb. So there you go. And so what you would do is you would take this lamb per household and you would take it into your home. But here's where it gets really hard. And you keep it until the 14th day of the same month. So you have it essentially four days. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Now, I'm going to just show you a couple of pictures um, because I think we need to kind of get this idea. So you take the lamb in. It's almost like, you know, you got a new puppy at the house, but you know that the fate of this lamb is that it must die. And I would relate it to a dog taken into my home because all dogs are Christians. <laughs> all dogs are born again. Cats are a whole different category. I would question the salvation of every cat. (laughs) Sorry for you cat lovers, but anyway. And part of the intention, I usually divide the church when I make statements like this. Okay, some cats are all right. All right, anyway. So you, you keep this thing the whole week, and then you know that its destiny is to die. And it's to die at twilight on that Passover week. 
I got to thinking, and I was thinking about when Jesus in Matthew 16 began to, you know, and he said this several times, but he began to tell the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, essentially during the Passover, and I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to rise on the third day. And Peter took the lamb aside and said, oh, no, this will never happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You are not concerned with God's interest. You are concerned with man's interest. And I think Peter was saying something like this. Lord, I've been with you for the week. You've become near and dear to my heart. Now you're saying you got to die. And Jesus is saying, I'm the Passover lamb. I must die. This is the way it has to be. This is the calendar of God. And Peter's saying, no, you can't die. I love you. Remember in John 21, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, I phileo you, Lord. I've grown fond of you. You know that I love you. That's what's going on here. He's saying you can't die. And Jesus is saying, I must die. That's why I came. You've been listening to Our Passover Lamb, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 1 through 14. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking, but you could use some prayer, we have pastors on staff that would love to do that with you. You can call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. As we think about Mary's little lamb and the Passover lamb in the book of Exodus, there is an interesting connection. In fact, when Joseph and Mary go to present the baby Jesus in the temple, according to the law, they were supposed to bring a lamb for a sacrifice, but they were poor and they didn't have the money. So they offered a pair of turtle doves. And uh, I'm going off memory here, but they, they were keeping the custom of the law. That's what they were going to offer. But Mary probably didn't fully realize or make the full connection is my speculation that she was holding in her arms her lamb, the ultimate sacrifice. You know, we think about Christmas time, we're in the book of Exodus, and you're like, is there a connection? Oh, yes, there is. Remember Simeon, the Lord hears, that's his name, takes the child Jesus in his arms and begins to praise God. And he says, now I can depart in peace, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. My eyes have seen the Lamb of God. Oh, it's so good, my friend. And the Lamb of God came for us, shed his innocent blood to wash us clean. You know, Christmas is about his arrival, but he did grow up and he was the Lamb of God to take away our sin. And now we know that Jesus is in heaven and he will return a second time apart from sin He doesn't have to deal with sin anymore because he died for it once. He'll come for the final uh, piece of our salvation, our full redemption at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second advent, I've often said, the second Passover. And the question will be in that day, whenever that day comes, 
who is ready to meet the lion and the lamb. I pray that you are. I pray that you're celebrating him this Christmas season. And hey, if you want to help us out, if if the messages here at Walk in Truth have been a blessing to you, maybe you're telling friends about it and you're praying for us. Thank you so much. We could use your partnership as well financially, whether that's a monthly partnership or a year-end gift. We uh, are broadcasting in about seven states. We have a podcast going all over the world by God's grace, and we could use your help. We only are about 35% funded by listener support, and we could use more committed partners. Here's how you can partner with us. Go to walkintruth.com and click on the donate button walkintruth.com, click on the donate button. Every little bit helps, whether you can give $20, $100, $1,000, whatever it may be. If you believe in what we're doing and you want to you know, lay up those treasures in heaven in terms of the gospel ministry, this is one way to do it. Walkintruth.com, click on that donate button. Thank you for every gift, every prayer, all of your love, all of your support. We appreciate it. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to your life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 1-14, called our Passover lamb. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.